calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi, I'm Banigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. And this week I am talking aliens. And if I'm going to be discussing these little non-humanoid guys somewhere on this show, you know I have to ask my lovely boyfriend Max to join me. Although you guys probably don't know that that is one thing that he has always been a little bit fascinated by, interested with. It's one of his weird little hobbies that he's into. And we would spend a lot of time listening to this one podcast that was called Unexplained Mysteries when we go on road trips and stuff. And it's so much fun because it really does take a skeptic's look at things, but it still will like go into all the theories and the stories. And it's just... It's always been really fun to have a little bit of conjecture around this stuff, but the fact that there was actually a hearing under oath that occurred this week where we had official, very, very official people speaking on the fact that they have witnessed other life forms and that we have seen what was known as UFOs or unidentified flying objects is now what unidentified... It's a UAP, UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. So I got a little bit of notes taken here, but Max is probably going to be able to fill in the blanks for me just as he I'll was do able. My best. Yeah, as he was able to do there. So three military veterans testified in a highly anticipated hearing on Wednesday in front of Congress. And those three veterans were retired Major David Grush, who went from being part of the Pentagon's UAP task force to becoming a whistleblower. So he was really the one that seems to have gotten this meeting happening. There was another man by the name of Ryan Graves, who was a former Navy pilot, and David Fravor, who was also a former pilot as well, who had also commander. he was a commander. Thank you. That's right. So all of these people, you know, have worked for the U.S. military in some capacity for many, many years and have a lot of experience, and for the most part, are talking like they know what they're talking about. And before we get too much into what was discussed, I wanted to say what I thought was really great about this hearing 
was that it went beyond party lines, and those representatives in attendance swung from far left to far right, with all of them there with the desire for more transparency with our national defense, who's spending billions of dollars each year on goddess knows what. So, and that's something that Max and I actually discussed because no matter what their motive for being there, it was a strange moment of peace among the parties. Like UFOs or UAPs were able to kind of like bring us all together as one. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of strange seeing uh, far right congressmen and women with um, anyone from the left. That's pretty wild to me and not uh, arguing with each other, right? all getting along. That's strange to see very very strange to see and i think lawmaker jared moskowitz who is a florida democrat really said it well and he said many americans are deeply interested in this issue and it shouldn't take the potential of non-human origin to bring us together very true right isn't that kind of a beautiful beautiful thing let's start getting into the hearing and much of the discussion centered around improving the process of reporting unidentified aerial phenomenon or UAPs. And that was something that actually AOC was mentioning was that she really wanted to have a better and more transparent like reporting. Yeah, exactly. For um, military and commercial pilots. Because um, obviously I don't know what happens in the military. I've never been a huge fan. Thank <laughs> but, goodness. Um, <laughs> So um, I don't really know. They don't obviously don't have that much training, but way more than a commercial pilot would if right. they would encounter an object uh, of unknown origin. So whether you want to believe all of this or not, at the heart of this, we have billions of dollars of government money unaccounted for every year by the Department of Defense and the Pentagon. Where's this money going? Yeah. We, we just need to know. That's we need the disclosure on that. And uh, hey, if we get some disclosure on life on other planets, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, yeah we, <laughs> we would love that. So let's get into a little bit of what David Grush shared, because I feel like it's kind of like the meat of what was discussed. And we'll kind of go from there. So David Grush was the primary whistleblower, I would say, of this whole group of three men. And he had discussed that he had been denied access to some government UFO programs, but that he knows the exact locations of UAPs in the U.S.'s possession. And that was wild to me to hear him confirm. He's like, yes, the United States government has these unidentified flying objects in their possession. What UAPs, was, yes. UAPs, sorry. I know I'm being so politically incorrect. My apologies. But, like, what was your thoughts on that when you heard that? Um, it's pretty wild to hear in that setting. You know, I'm always going to be skeptical just because that is a very out there statement. But did it seem like it was kind of validating to you in the moment to hear as well? Because, like, I don't know, just in our conversations, it's like there's got to be something out there and they have to have information that they're not telling us. So... I felt validated in him saying, like, yeah, we do have some of those things in yeah. our possession. Yeah, really did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah, it definitely makes, uh, it, just to have it under oath and everything, whether that means anything to anybody out there or not. Right. Definitely puts it on government record. That's huge. To have that actually like written in government like record, to me, I think all of this is pretty historical. It's... 
Very, very interesting to me. And Grush also alleged that the United States has retrieved non-human biological matter from the pilots of the crafts, which was verified by people that were still in the program. So there were a lot of people that felt unsafe to come forward and share their stories due to the stigma. And they've also experienced what Grush has called administrative terrorism. Like both of their personal lives and their professional lives were threatened because they were coming forward with these stories and things like that. So he really was the spokesperson for a lot of people that have spoken to him about the things that they've witnessed as well. Exactly. Yeah, he's interviewed 40 people over, I think, three or four years uh, who have all had hands-on experience with this. He had access to the information but was not allowed to see it with his own eyes just due to security clearances. Right, and, and that, that was part of what he was complaining about not being able to see, probably. And there was something called a skiff, and the word skiff was mentioned over and over and over again during this hearing. Google searches went up like crazy. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like the trending little arrow was like all the way up. So I was one of those Googles. I Googled it. And a skiff is a acronym for a sensitive compartmented information facility. And it's like an ultra secure room where government officials can go and tell their biggest secrets and no yeah, one is ever going to find out. from, I guess, I don't know, like just congressmen and women learn. Uh, things, senators, uh, presidents being briefed on super sensitive information. So totally. You can only imagine uh, the words have been spoken inside these rooms. Uh, I would love to be a literal fly on the wall. Secrets uh, we will never know. Oh, I want to know all the secrets, though. So one time that Grush asked for a skiff was when he was asked if the government has had any contact with aliens and whether anyone had been murdered to cover up information about extraterrestrial technology. And that scared me because we were kind of saying, like, anytime he just straight up says, like, I'll need to see you in a skiff or I can't, I can't answer that in a public setting, we were both like, is that a yes? Yeah, well, the answer is it was either a just a no or we'd get some yeses in there, but a right. lot of them, a lot of the sensitive information was answered with, uh, I, I can't give you that uh, information in this setting. So really raises the eyebrows on, you know, what this guy knows. I would love to see uh, eventually have whatever he tells them in a skiff be declassified. Hopefully that's possible someday. Yeah. Uh, I want a memoir. I want him to write a whole book on everything that he knows and sees. Like you know, both of us. He would have to go that. away for a long time if he does that. He would have to literally like live up on a mountaintop off the grid or something because it does. Not you know, even sure that will get you far enough. No, away. <laughs> because so he first came out with his complaint in 2002, and he has said what he has personally and professionally gone through because he made that complaint. And it's it hasn't been great for him. You know, he lost his job. He is probably seen differently by a lot of people that think he's, you know, crazy or out of his mind. You know, I can only imagine the things that, you know, he would go through just as any whistleblower goes through a lot of really negative yeah. experiences. But I'm so thankful that he felt empowered enough to to speak his truth. You know, just people coming forward, no matter what it is. If you have a truth that you have, it, it could be anything from obviously sec sexual assault to 
anything Aliens. across the board. You know? Just come forward. Come out, come out wherever you are. And it really doesn't help that he's being totally gaslit by the Pentagon. Definitely. A Defense Department entity entitled the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office is refuting David Grush's claim that access to some material was denied. A spokesperson for the Pentagon released a statement saying that the entity had not discovered any verified information to substantiate his claims. And she also notes that the AARO is committed to following the data and its investigation wherever it leads. That's a PR response. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like Mr. Grush knows none of what he speaks and has no idea what he's talking about. The Pentagon has never witnessed any of the things that he is describing, right? Yeah, and some of the things he said were pretty were pretty damning. A uh, few times he was saying that him and his wife were intimidated and the things that they saw were terrifying. Oh, God. From... Uh, the questions where I actually have it uh, a clip of that. Um, is aggressive and uh, hostile to your reports. Uh, I know of multiple colleagues of mine that got physically injured. And uh, the activity I have, by, by UAPs or by, by people within the federal government. Oh. Okay, so there has been activity by, by alien or non-human technology and or beings that has caused harm to humans. Uh, I can't get into the specifics in an open environment, but at least the activity that I personally witnessed, not to be very careful here, because uh, you don't, it's never to acknowledge tradecraft, right? So what I personally witnessed myself and my wife is very disturbing. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. So is he saying that it was done by non-humans or was it done by the government? I believe he's being intimidated by members of the government. Okay. Um, if you want to get crazy, uh, we could call them men in black. Right? <laughs> we were literally joking that last night. It's like, I feel like I'm in men in black right now. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, sorry to bring y'all into the uh, the weird side of the uh, podcast today. I love but, weird. Hey, we're getting fun. I love, you know what, Max? Also, it's my show. And what I say goes. And if I want it to get a little bit weird, we're going to let it get a little bit weird today, right? Well, and that was something that you and I talked about too after the hearing was like, if these non human people were here to hurt us, like, wouldn't they have hurt us by now? Exactly. You know? And that'll lead us to uh, David uh, Fravor. Yeah. He, um, he was the one who saw the famous uh, Tic Tac incident, which Ugh. you can you probably have more information uh, off the top of your head about that. Tic Tac. I just was like, why does this man keep talking about a Tic Tac? And that just kind of made me chuckle throughout the hearing as well. But yes, so this retired Navy commander by the name of David Fravor gave his own account of a UAP encounter, which was captured on video. I'll link it in the show notes because I watched it last night. And it is very, very interesting what he had had to see 
Fravor, who was with three other service members at the time of the incident, described seeing a white tic-tac-shaped flying object emerge over the San Diego coast. This thing had no rotor wash or any visible flight control surfaces like wings. It literally just looked like a tic-tac hovering above the water, kind of. And Fravor said it rapidly accelerated and disappeared right in front of our aircraft, leaving no detectable turbulence, which is not humanly possible, it impossible. seems. Impossible. Our there science was... can't do that. There's no. nothing... Not, we don't have technology that can do that. We don't even have a scientific understanding of anything that can do that. Yeah, and the way that it moves in this video and the way that it's described, it's like it's like light years fast. It's like a light switch turned on and off almost how fast these these objects can move. He even you know? described if a human was inside one of these crafts. If this was a human craft moving that fast, yeah. you wouldn't survive yeah. being inside that. Yeah. It would kill you. So it's for sure aliens. Um, <laughs> so it's aliens. That leads me to what I was saying before. Fravor said that if there was any attack on them, they would stand no chance. No weapon they would ever have could possibly defend. They could not defend themselves yeah. against these uh, entities or whatever this is. So it definitely seems like something beyond our belief what we have in science, who knows what this is. It's absolutely astonishing, truly. And then Ryan Graves recounted an incident of witnessing a flying object off the coast of Virginia Beach in 2014 while flying an F-18 fighter jet. He described the craft as a dark gray or black cube inside of a clear sphere. Can you imagine it's, seeing that with your own two eyes? It's a really, really... Uh... Strange a sight to think about. And there's also uh, one thing that I found yesterday, which, I mean, I had to do a little research on my own. Of course. Uh, there was a, a newspaper clipping from the year 1960. And I will find it right here in one second. Take your time. All right. And uh, in 1960, it was also reported in the Alamo Gordo Daily News. Ooh. That's a... Uh, Small-time newspaper yeah. back in, uh, that was, uh, well, Alamogordo, New Mexico. So, hotbed of activity in New Mexico, Arizona right. for UFO sightings. This was reported in there. Two unidentified pilots, one flying a Frontier Airlines plane, the other a military jet, reportedly spotted the object. The FAA at Grand Junction said the object appeared to be spherical and enclosing a square object. <gasps> The lights alternately flashing the different colors appeared to emanate from the square object within the sphere. The oh FAA spokesman here declined to comment further on it. <gasps> so, found a newspaper clipping of 1960. We have 63 years ago describing the exact same. That is wild exact same thing that is and it, it's wild. not it's not a no newspaper clipping it's just a all small towns had their newspapers back then right and, exactly uh, would report on local incidents and it's that probably was local some, to them and it's probably something that wouldn't have even been put in a major newspaper because people would be like this is too crazy this is too out there you know what i mean It'd get written off yeah, yeah exactly so it was probably these small town newspapers that felt emboldened enough to be able to like tell the local stories and t and say what's going on 
I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. That's very fascinating. Thank you for sharing that with me. I did not know that. And Graves noted that this UAP that he saw could remain stationary despite hurricane force winds. Apparently at the time, it was like a category four hurricane. And that is something to humans that is impossible. Again, there's no way that this object could be... Our technology can't do that. (laughs) Yeah, could not be like thrashed around by these winds that are happening. It was just sitting completely calm in this storm. He said that the objects that had been reportedly seen by the military and commercial pilots are, quote, performing maneuvers that are unexplainable due to our current understanding of our technology and our capabilities as a country. Graves and his squadron submitted a safety report at the time of the sighting, but he received no official acknowledgement of the event. Which happens a lot. Right, and that was part of what AOC, I think, was trying to get at with saying that how, how can we more safely and uh, what's the word I'm looking for openly share these stories of these whistleblowers that have witnessed these things without them having any physical harm come to them and with us then gaining more knowledge about things that we're obviously super interested in and that I feel like a lot of the public deserves to know about you know Graves has since started a group called Americans Safe for Aerospace which supports Americans for safe aerospace. Americans what? For safe aerospace. Americans for safe aerospace, which supports aviators who have reported UAPs. And he has spoken to many people who have validated his experience. He added, if everyone could see the sensor and video data I witnessed, our national conversation would change. That's pretty cool. That's a big, (laughs) big, big statement. AOC and other lawmakers and witnesses alike are pushing the federal government to establish clear channels to communicate information regarding UAPs with both the public and the military, as well as pedophile Matt Gates. Uh, I'm so... It was so jarring seeing his face pop up on there. It's like just seeing a real life butthead from Beavis and Butthead. 100%. And it's, oh, it's, oh, it's such a... We hate him. Punchable face. We hate him. <laughs> I hate but to it's... bring violence in this. I would never, but um, yeah, he's got punchable we face. Can be, we can be a little bit violent toward Matt Gates. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to tell you no. He's a pedophile. You know, he's it's... a fucking pedophile. Like, yeah, he deserves to be slapped in the face, if not worse. But also, a it was so. A broken clock is right twice a day. So, you know. <laughs> Honestly. Um... Yeah. And he, he was the, he was a big pusher toward this hearing. And I don't want to give him any credit. So I, I, I'm not really going to do we'll that. Give it to but... the other, uh, the other uh, Congress people who uh, were helping him. Exactly. We'll give it credit to them. It, yeah, we'll but just slip him on by. How crazy is it, though, because Matt Gates fucking hates AOC, and like they're sitting at the same table both kind of wanting to get the same answers. Oh, yeah. It was really, really bizarre. He So Matt Gates was told about an incident from Eaglin Air Force in Florida, which he said he was, quote, not able to attach any human capability either from the United States or from any of our adversaries. So while we hate that he is a terrible person, it is interesting that, you know, he is on the same page as so many people on the left during this. It really was a time to come together. It really is. It's, um... I, I don't want to come together with anybody like that, but if somebody's in power, they're already in power, if we can at least get them to investigate abnormal spending by the government, 
let's just make them do one positive thing. Right. Like, Maybe I, we I can know. distract them from all of like the drag bills and the abortion laws. If we get them focusing on aliens enough, maybe we can get them to forget about uh, trying to take away women's rights. Exactly. Right? Maybe hey, this would be a great ploy. Maybe they can realize that some things are bigger and... Why are you trying to divide us? Wouldn't that be great if this is the thing that just like breaks the spell? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? That would be wild. So I have my amazing musician boyfriend on the (laughs) podcast with me. So I would be remiss not to mention another musician that had such a big impact on this information getting out there on, you know. Might be the most bizarre part of this entire story. It's so fucking weird, but I love it, and I have to talk about this with you. And I got to mention Tom DeLonge from Blink-182. The other night on their reunion tour, Mark Hoppus announced to the crowd, Tom was right before going into their songs, Aliens Exist, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, Tom has been, obviously, his entire existence, I'm pretty sure this guy's obsessed with aliens to the core he quit the band to focus on it full time yeah yeah and created uh to the stars academy which uh they were actually part of the reason why that tic-tac video was able to be released everything the new york times article in 2017 about this they uh did a lot to push this to the forefront yeah it seems like it is like it's a group of from what i read it's a group of professionals like scientists, engineers, uh, ex-government employees, things like that, that are all going toward this research and supporting the, the things that come out about this type of research and things like that. And one of the main goals of the company is to make sure that all discoveries are released responsibly to the public. And like you were saying, they were a big hand in making sure that that lovely Tic Tac video was released to the public as well. And like that's just so... Cool. I feel like we've talked about other musicians that are into really like weird different things, or have we always been talking about Tom DeLonge when we talk about that? Maybe he's a big proponent for it. He's um, a big proponent. Yeah, he's it's really funny. My childhood feels kind of strange. It's like, right? okay, that's it's different, but you know, I think that you know, there really was an obsession, I feel like, with non-human entities starting I feel like well I mean it definitely started in the 60s with going to space and going to the moon and all of that like America became obsessed with space but I feel like well, aliens back even to the 30s and 40s true. when a lot of the major sightings and might get a little crazy here but um that does kind of coincide a lot with our nuclear testing and everything. So. Can we please talk about that? Okay, so we're totally not going to be like a conspiracy theory podcast here, but Max and I talked about this on the phone the other night, and I found it super, super fascinating. So let's just say, let's just imagine a world where the aliens are here to protect us from completely destroying our planet. And in a perfect world, <laughs> in a perfect world, that would be really, really great. But we were talking about the fact that, you know, like, what if they were protecting us from this like nuclear disaster? What were what were we saying again? I can't remember. Well, what our I mean, we've was. only there's only been two uh, successful like bombs dropped over countries horrifically. And since then, I mean, uh, probably because humans are very wise to, um, you know, not use the that worst kind of, of our capabilities, uh, it's been threatened a lot, unfortunately. It's one of the dark sides of humanity ever since since the 1940s. 
And somehow there could be some intervention of somebody else. Who's you know, to say? we have had there. There's been cases of the Soviets back in the day or us wanting to do something, and all of a sudden, you know, something doesn't work. Yeah. Electronics fail, something like that. Who knows? Who knows what that could be? Right. I have no clue. Exactly. I think that's so interesting, and there's something almost reassuring to me about that because I, you know, we were both raised pretty religious. I think I was probably forced to go to church a lot more than you were growing up and a lot more hardcore Catholic. Oh, Oh, it was forced. Okay, good. But Catholic school up through. Yeah, yeah. you did. You did. (laughs) Elementary school. Yeah. And, but like, you know, I was raised to have this belief in God, right? And this is this person in the sky that's watching out over me and going to make sure everything is okay. But for some reason I can more readily accept that there are some non-human entities out there watching out for me more rationally (laughs) than I can convince myself that there is a man in the sky watching over me. And part of me is like, oh, aliens, thank you. Thank you for keeping me safe. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about, like, are they witnessing what we are doing to our planet by killing it with global warming and nuclear warfare and all this other stuff and are they just like what the fuck are these humans doing we need to steer them in the right direction if the possibility is that something's out there yeah they're observing what we're doing and destroying it so maybe this could all come about at a time to help us as humanity and move forward as a civilization i love that and become star trek and become Star Trek. That's the goal, That's my truly. Dream. Yeah, because Max wants to be <laughs> on. What would be? What's the ship that you would want to be a part of? Oh, obviously the Enterprise. Come you would on. want to be part of the yeah. Enterprise. Duh. Okay, cool. And what? What would you want your job to be on the Enterprise? Oh, that's tough. I mean, first officer would be kind of cool. Okay, so you want to be like in charge? Not not in charge, but say if captain would leave the ship. Do you feel I'll like you'd be qualified in. for that? lived in that world okay great 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 i love this world. as of right now will no. you will you let me join you <laughs> if, if you can get into starfleet yeah oh i have to be a member i can't just like be the wife and join you on the ship and like drink some cocktails actually, actually you you kind of can yeah right yeah that's, is there that, are that does there, exist are there hot tubs on the enterprise i don't think i've seen that in an episode oh, but darn. um I just need I just need this some cocktails in the hot tub. This is getting too deep into a Star Trek podcast now. So. I mean, hey, I'm here for it. I actually think that it would be a great episode for me to cover Star Trek sometime on this show because it's, they were such a groundbreaking mm-hmm. show. Really I is. think it's totally applicable for us to be discussing Star Trek on all of this. Um, well, let's see. I I wrote some notes here of things that I wanted to talk about, and. I think that I've pretty much covered everything that I wanted to talk about. Was there any other takeaways from the hearing that were particularly interesting to you or that stood out to you or anything else that you want to let my listeners know before you get the hell out of here? Let's see. Um, it was it, it was amazing to watch, I have to say. I'm very interested in this topic. I don't like to fully go into it because it's... It, a lot of these ideas that you read out there, people sound absolutely batshit crazy. The stigma and, is and wrong. And I like yeah. to I like to keep a, a skeptical approach to it. So if I'm reading something, it's always half of my brain is thinking this is uh, come on, this is a little ridiculous. But I'm gonna read the information, see what 
it is. That stuff on the internet, I, I don't like reading anything on the internet like that. Yeah. This was completely different to me. Just having people get up there in front of members of Congress and speak what they believe is the truth and they're under oath. So we There's hope, a lot to that. I we think. hope that they're being honest when they're being under oath, you know. And I think that, you know, when you go online and you read these things or, you know, a lot of the people that were even in this hearing have been on like Joe Rogan's podcast and, you know, on places where like <laughs> I'm not going to refer my listeners to. But I feel like with this very official government setting, it really does give a lot of credence to this information, but it also weeded out a lot of the like mumbo jumbo, I feel like yeah. that's out there. It didn't, it all just sounded very rational. It sounded very important. All of the people that spoke had a lot of feeling and conviction behind what they were saying. You could tell that this meant a lot to them, that they were there and able to talk about it. And I'm sure for a lot of people, you know, you being one of them who has felt like, you know, we got to talk about this more. You know what I mean? Like, this is such a fascinating thing to so many people in this country and all over our world. It must have been so validating, exciting. I mean, you were like a little kid on Christmas morning. You're like, <laughs> we're going to watch this committee hearing, you know, like, why are, why am I so excited for this? Don't think I've ever been excited to watch a committee hearing. No, no, no we way. were <laughs> drinking our morning coffee you know, watching this thing in the morning. And thank you so much, Max, for not only coming on the show and discussing all of this with me, but for just being such a fun partner to be with in <laughs> life <are> <laughs> and having all of these lovely You're conversations with me. You are the best, my love. You're so incredibly smart. Thank you for talking about all of this with me and thank today. you for having me uh thank you for indulging in some crazy ideas right now but at the core of this truly is finding out where government spending is going yes. just even if you don't care about any of the craziness if we got a little outlandish in there it's all in good fun and we're having yes, a good time exactly but we really need to understand where our government money's going this could go to healthcare for all this could go to our homelessness problem, every single issue we have, climate. Yeah. I mean, they are spending billions and billions and billions Education. of dollars. I could go on. Yeah, exactly. They're <laughs> Literally spending everything. billions of dollars on this on this Our defense thing. does not need that money. Yeah, and what and we don't even know what they're using it for. Exactly. And that's what's so upsetting as well. So even if you don't care about any of the alien stuff that we discussed, you definitely care about universal health care and education and the you know, homeless problem in this country and all of those things. So, and if you're in the United States, question your representatives, write them. Yeah. Hmm. We got to write those representatives. We do. All right, baby. Stay Thank active. you so much. I'm going to close out the episode. Give me a quick kiss. We'll leave that in. I love you. <laughs> Well, I hope that all of you enjoyed having the most special guest as much as I did this week. This was such a fun, fun, fun conversation for me to be having with him throughout the week. And I'm glad that he was able to share some of his strange knowledge with all of you as well. Since I didn't really do a spiel at the top of the episode, I do want to remind you all that there is a new Patreon episode where I am covering The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. I'm serious. If this is the only Patreon episode you ever listen to, do it. Listen to this one because you all know how much I love The Wizard of Oz. You know I could go... You know I could go on and on and on about it, but truly there is a lot of really fascinating, historically relevant information that I learned about 
L. Frank Baum, the author, about the making of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And I'm so excited for this coming week's Patreon episode where I'm going to be discussing more of the themes of the book, but mostly I'm going to be discussing its cultural impact, the impact that it has had on our society, on storytelling, on filmmaking on so many things. This isn't just a movie and a story that I'm obsessed with, but it is actually very, very important to our American history. So definitely take a listen to that episode. If you want to join the Angry Feminist Book Club, you can do so at the $5 level on Patreon. And if you'd like, you can also join the Feminist Faves level, which is $8 a month, where you get all the Angry Feminist Book Club content, but you also get these episodes ad-free and usually a little bit early as well. I want to thank the listener who left such a touching review earlier this week. It was so beautiful. So like this listener, if you enjoyed this show, if you think others would as well, please go on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoyed the show. Or you can also rate the show on Spotify if you prefer to listen over there. But I do really love the fact that Apple Podcasts gives you that option to be able to actually leave a review because I think that that's what really pushes people to want to press play and listen to an episode. All right. Thank you so much for joining me on another mini episode. I can't wait to see you on Monday for another very Barbie themed episode. That's all I have for you today. With all of that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.